JKP Films presents If Kane Were Able. Episode 8. Roberta tells a number of children about the meeting, then she and the kids she told make their way to Poor Hope. We gotta break out of here, tonight. We can't! They'll kill us and our families if we do! They'll kill us if we stay. Look at me. Do you want to let them treat us like lab rats, torturing and prodding us as they see fit? They won't torture us! Once they catch the killer, they'll let us go! Really? How do you think I got these injuries? Do you think I got battered like this purely from them reading me nursery rhymes whilst feeding me milk and cookies? Uh, I don't... um... Look, there's blood all over the floor of their torture chamber. I don't know about you guys, but I for one will never let them lay another hand on me. I won't try to force any of you to come with me, but I'm leaving at two o'clock tonight. Those of you who want to come with me are more than welcome. The rest of you can stay and pretend everything is hunky-dory. I'm going as well. Me too. Great. Spread the word. If anyone wants out of this hellhole, they need to meet me back here at exactly two o'clock. If not, I wish them the best of luck. The kids disperse. Roberta and Carlos help Paul walk off. Did you find out anything when they took you to the labs? Yeah. They've got enclosures like this for children up and down the country. (gasps) We've got to help them! Yes, we do. But first we've got to help ourselves. Until we break out of here, we won't be any use to anyone. True. So how are we going to get out of here? The way I see it, there is only one foolproof way out of here. And what's that? We dig. With what? With the only thing we've got. Our hands. While us three dig, the rest of the kids will obscure the guards' vision. But what if the guards catch us and sound the alarm? Don't worry about the guards. I'll take care of them. As soon as the hole is big enough for me to fit through it, I'll sneak out to make sure that they can't sound the alarm, whilst you two make the hole bigger. We'll need a number of lookouts. Roberta. Do you know anyone who won't fold under pressure? Oh, I've got a number of people who would be perfect for the job. One of the guards is outside of the enclosure, looking around to make sure everything is as expected. The kids inside the enclosure block the far end of the enclosure from anyone's view, while Paul, Carlos and Roberta are on their hands and knees digging a hole under the fence with their fingers. The guard looks into the enclosure. The children inside the enclosure are trying their very best to look natural. The guard turns around, takes a cigarette out of her pocket and lights it. Paul and his two accomplices are still digging frantically whilst trying to make no noise. Paul Hope has a look of absolute determination on his face. His bloody hands are in the hole which is steadily getting bigger. Whilst the guard is taking a puff of her cigarette, Paul slivers out of the hole they just made and makes his way around the enclosure on his stomach towards the guard at the gate. While Paul Hope is doing this, Roberta and Carlos are still digging the hole in an effort to make it bigger. Meanwhile, at the front of the enclosure, the guard takes one last drag of her cigarette before tossing it to the floor and stamping it out. Moments later, on the edge of the enclosure, Paul is still silently slithering towards the guard at the front of the gate. He glances back to the hole. Roberta, Carlos and the other two kids are still digging. Paul looks ahead. Suddenly, the guard turns around upon hearing something. She pulls out her flashlight, turns it on, and surveys the enclosure. Paul remains perfectly still. Frightened, the kids inside the enclosure bunch up even closer. The guard squints whilst looking inside the enclosure. 
The fence makes a sound at the back of the enclosure. The guard runs around the enclosure in the direction Paul was slithering. Her flashlight darts around the floor as she looks frantically around. All of a sudden, the flashlight focuses on the hole under the fence and, and just as the guard reaches for her walkie-talkie, Paul pounces on her from behind. He knocks the walkie-talkie out of her hand and uses a sleeper move to render her unconscious. Then, he takes her gun. Many of the children, including Roberta and Carlos, leave with Paul but loads of them remain because they fear what the consequences will be if they get caught. The children who just escaped make their way into the night. Moments later, the guard who Paul rendered unconscious starts to stir. After a few minutes, she gets up, looks at the hole in the fence, then quickly stares at the kids in the enclosure. The kids cower. The guard pulls out her phone and makes a call while she walks to the hole in the fence. Two other guards come out of 10 Downing Street with their guns and guard the hole in the fence, whilst the guard, who was knocked out by Paul, makes her way to Kelly's office. Meanwhile, inside Kelly's office, Kelly's phone rings. She has an open bottle of Don Perignon on her desk. She's drinking a glass of it. She picks up the phone. Is it true that your government has been trying to cover up a number of murders that were committed by the serial killer's kids? No comment. Kelly puts down her phone, goes to reach for her glass, uh, the phone rings again. She answers it instead of picking her glass up. Is it true that you're out of your league, Kelly, and that more innocent mothers have been killed? No comment. Kelly puts down the phone and drinks her drink whole. She then pours herself another glass. The phone rings. She answers it. Don't you think it's time we held elections so that we could elect a proper government who are more than capable of dealing with the harsh times we're facing? No comment. Kelly slams the phone down. Yes. Hi, Kelly. How are you? Do you think I'm a bad person, Delilah? No. Why do you ask? Because lately I've had to do things I never dreamt I would do. Right. Kelly, right now you are facing tough times. Tougher than any time my John had to face. God, tougher than any time any Prime Minister I have ever heard of had to face. And you're making these tough decisions for the greater good, right? Right. Well, then you keep on making those tough decisions, however hard they may be. Thanks, Delilah. I really needed that. I'll see you at lunch tomorrow. See you then. And don't mention it. I'm here for you any time. Bye. Bye. Suddenly, Sandra Hooper and the guard Paul Incapacitated rush into the room without knocking. They stop opposite Kelly's desk, but stay as far away from it as the room makes possible. What is it now? The guard and Sandra both look at each other, then they look at Kelly with scared expressions on their faces. Just say it. Uh, some of the kids escaped. Kelly picks up the bottle of Dom Perignon from her desk and throws it at them. They duck just in time. The bottle smashes on the wall. How the hell did they manage that? A few of them attacked me and knocked me out. I don't care what they did to you. What the hell are you still standing here for? Go and find them! The guard looks at Sandra. What are you looking at her for? Get out of my sight and go and organise a search party to bring back those kids! The guard looks back at Sandra. Sandra avoids her gaze. The guard rushes out of the room. Kelly turns to Sandra. Sandra. I want you to get 80% of the guards looking for the missing kids, while the rest of them hold down the fort. I also want you to get the police and the army to help with the search. No one rests until the kids have been caught. Got it? You know what? On second thoughts, kill all the ones that are still here, and then get every available body to help with the search. 
And when you find the escapees, I want them killed on sight. Uh, you want, uh, to... Oh my god! I'm surrounded by imbeciles! I'm sorry, Kelly. You're sorry? What good can come from you being sorry? Will sorry capture the missing kids? Will it get the press off my back? Will it change the public's opinion or keep us in power? No! So you can keep your stupid sorry and go and help the others with the search, you idiot! I want all of the serial killers' kids in the concentration camps across the country killed within the hour. A few of them have just escaped from one of our London camps, and we can't afford to let this happen again. The stakes are high. They're just too high. Is that clear? The camp leaders look shocked. I said, is that clear? The camp leaders say, yes, Kelly, in unison. Kelly then disconnects the group video call and rings Sally Shaw on her phone. I need you in my office right away. I'm on my way. Moments later, machine gun fire starts raining down into the prison enclosure where the remaining children are. Kids drop like flies. Bullets ricochet off the ground as children scream. Paul hoping the children who escaped near this from afar, tears streaming down his face. He considers going back to help the rest of the children, but he knows it would be a suicide mission that would lead to all of their deaths. So he and his group reluctantly trudge on. Meanwhile, back in the prison enclosure, some of the children try to run for the far fence, but they go down. Others stand still petrified. Some cry, whilst others just simply close their eyes. Within moments, it's all over. All that is left of the kids that remained in the enclosure are piles of bloody bodies filled with bullet holes. A split second later, a few miles away, Paul is still with his group of escapees. We've got to keep moving. The kids in Paul's convoy stand still in a state of shock. Hey, either we keep moving or we die. What's it going to be? The kids start moving. Many of them start crying and holding each other's hands. A few miles away at that very moment, Kelly's guards are looking around for the kids who escaped. Suddenly, a cat jumps on a bin. The guards swivel in its direction. The cat looks at them and then scurries off. Meanwhile, in 10 Downing Street, Sally barges into Kelly's office. Have you lost your mind? You just murdered kids. I had no choice. Some of them escaped. But they're... Look, Sally, we haven't got time for this. Those weren't normal children. You said it yourself, that they would have grown up to be manipulative, violent psychopaths. And some of them were already violent psychopaths. So I did what needed to be done. But that's just it. Even by your logic, it shows that you just killed a number of innocent kids. Yes, some of them are violent psychopaths and others might have developed to be psychopaths, but some of them are innocent children. Oh, look at you, Miss Moral, preaching to me. If you believe what you're trying to sell me right now, why were you putting innocent children through tests that resemble torture? Uh... Look, Sally, even though you're my right-hand woman, we really haven't got time for this. So... Just tell me, are you still with me or not? Of course, I'm with you. I'll always be with you. How long will it take for you to get more sperm from the prisoners? It's already done, and this time I've removed the crack gene. Great. I want you to start impregnating women tomorrow. How are you going to manage the public backlash? Joseph Goebbels once said that if you tell a lie big enough and keep on repeating it, people will eventually come to believe it. He also said that a lie can be only maintained for such a time. 
as the state can shield the people from the political, economic and or military consequences of the lie. It thus becomes vitally important for the state to use all of its powers to repress dissent, for the truth is the mortal enemy of the lie, and thus by extension, the truth is the greatest enemy of the state. So? So we protect people from the truth. How? By telling them that Eve realised that she was wrong and that her and her followers killed the kids to cover up her tracks. But what if Eve says otherwise? We make sure Eve is incapable of saying otherwise. Are you suggesting we... if it wasn't for her, we wouldn't be in this mess. But... But nothing. But... Sometimes a leader must sacrifice the few for the good of the many. I don't have to ask you if you're with me again, do I? No. Good. Are you still following Eve Hope? Yes. She's currently at the house in Hampstead. She's been there for over an hour. Good job. I want you to kill her and everyone inside that house. Make it as quiet and as discreet as possible. The last thing we need is any nosy neighbours saying they saw you. 30 minutes later, the kids who escaped from the enclosure enter Gunsbury Triangle Nature Reserve. 15 minutes later, Kelly's guards enter the Gunsbury Triangle Nature Reserve. They're a short distance behind Paul Hope's convoy. Paul's group keep on traipsing through the nature reserve. Many of them look tired. The guards who are tracking them start picking up speed. Meanwhile, miles away in Hampstead, the guards who followed Eve make their way towards the house Eve is in. One of the guards takes out a toolkit to pick the locks. She bends down and starts fiddling with the lock. At that very same moment, inside the house, Eve and her mother are sitting in the living room drinking tea. The TV's on in the background as they talk. Seconds later, the guards enter the house and tiptoe through the corridor with their knives out as Eve continues with our conversation in the living room. I've got to get Paul out. I tried speaking to Kelly, but she's finally lost it. The power has seduced her, intoxicated her and gone to her head. And now she's addicted to it. She'll never let it go off her own accord. One of the guards enters the doorway of the room and throws her knife into Eve's mother's chest. Eve's mother gurgles and blood drips from the wound as she takes her last breath. Eve looks at her mother and screams. The guard who threw the knife at Eve's mother tries to make her way towards Eve. Eve runs away from her. The other guard makes her way into the doorway and tries to throw her knife at Eve. However, her colleague's blocking her shot so she hesitates. Every so often she goes to throw a few more times but stops for the exact same reason. Suddenly, Tristan's hand reaches around the guard's neck and his other hand plunges a knife into the guard's back and pulls it out. The guard falls to her knees, gasps and then drops to the floor. Tristan is standing behind her with a bloody knife in his hand. At this point in time, the other guard turns around and looks from her colleague on the floor to Tristan with the knife. She tries to pull out her gun fast while Eve tries to run into the part of the bullet. Tristan throws his knife. It pierces the guard's throat and the guard falls to the ground. Eve runs up to Tristan and hugs him. He's shaking like a leaf. He looks at his grandma. Then Eve and Tristan both burst out crying. After a little while, Eve looks at each of the guards' faces. I've seen them somewhere before. Oh my god! I killed them, Mum! I killed them! You had to, darling. It was them or us. But I killed them. Eve forces Tristan to look her in the eyes. Listen to me, darling. You did what you had to do, and believe this will not be the last time you are forced to do that. Eve looks at the two dead guards more intensely, then remembers that the guards work for Kelly and that she had often seen them at 10 Downing Street since the virus struck. What is it? Where do you know them from? I will tell you, 
But right now, we need to leave. Are we going to go and stay with auntie? No. If we did, we would just put her and the twins in danger. There's no more time for questions. We need to be out of here in six minutes. Pack a bag of essentials only. A short while after this, over in Gunsbury Nature Reserve, Kelly's guards are still searching the reserve with their flashlights. A short distance away from the guards, Paul Hope is still leading the kids who escaped through the nature reserve. Suddenly, one of the smaller kids falls. Paul looks at the child who looks absolutely exhausted, then he looks at all the other children. He glances around and sees some bushes to the right of him. He turns to Roberta. Get all the kids to hide in that bush. I'm going to try to lead the guards away from here, so that you guys can make your way to the old paper mill I told you about earlier. No, that's suicide. Let's stick together and keep on moving. If we do that, they'll catch up with us within the hour. Here, take this and make your way east. Five minutes after the guards change direction. Paul hands the gun he took from the guardian capacitated to Roberta. No, you should take it. You might need it. Paul tries to hand the gun to her again. It's not up for discussion. Take it and go. Paul hugs Roberta. He then starts to head off. Paul! Paul turns around to face her. Make sure you come back to us. I will. Paul runs back towards the direction the guards are coming in and bears to the right. The rest of the kids hide in the bushes. Paul runs as fast as he can. After a little while, flashlights can be seen darting around the short distance in front of him. He dodges the lights whilst clinging onto his gun. He hides in a bush. One of the guards passes very close to him. Paul holds his breath and then tails behind the guards. When the guards are a few minutes away, he shoots his gun at a tree, screams and starts running in a zigzag formation to the entrance of the nature reserve. Whilst doing this, Paul makes as much noise as he can. Every so often, he changes his voice and screams, Over here! Over here! Over here! Over here! Over here! All of the guards turn around and start running in his direction. Paul runs as fast as he can, whilst dodging bullets that whiz by his head. Run faster! They're gaining on us! They're gaining on us! One of the guards aims and shoots at Paul. Meanwhile, a short distance away, Paul Hope's convoy of kids make their way out of the nature reserve and sneak through the streets of London. Moments later, back inside the nature reserve, the guards gain on Paul Hope. He swerves round the tree and then runs forward. The entrance he used to enter the nature reserve earlier is a short distance ahead of him. He can see it clearly. Suddenly, one of the guards stops running, aims at Paul and shoots. The bullet flies out from the barrel of the guard's gun, speeds through the air and hits Paul in the left shoulder. Blood begins to spurt out of Paul's wound, while the impact of the shot itself throws him forward, clean off his feet. He lands face down. He doesn't move. Hi, my name's Jonathan Poku and I'm the writer and the director of this podcast. If you would like to be informed about competitions, exclusive content and information about this show and other shows created by JKP Films, please go to www.jkpfilms.com and subscribe to our mailing list via the subscription box which is at the bottom of the page. In addition, if you would like to help us to continue to make this podcast and other projects, please feel free to go to www.jkpfilms.com and to donate as little or as much as you would like via the donate button which is at the bottom of the page. Please believe me, all donations are always appreciated. Oh yeah, if you would like to contact us, please email us at inquire at jkpfilms.com. Thank you so much and I can't wait to hear from you.
Save yourselves, don't give up on 